Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. While you're standing, I want you to go ahead and turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. And uh, I'm going to actually read a couple of verses there. A few verses. I'm going to read starting at verse number 31. I'm going to go down to verse 34 of Luke chapter 22 and then I'm probably going to jump on down to verse 54 and read a few verses there as we continue our series scandal Luke chapter 22 verse 31 are you there verse 31 and the Lord says Simon Simon indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat But he said to him, I'm sorry, yes, but I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. But he said to him, then he said, I tell you, Peter, verse 34, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you even know me. Let's jump on down to verse number 54. Having arrested him, they led him, Jesus, and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, Another saw him and said, you also are of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Hmm. Then after about an hour passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow also was with him. For he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter reminded, remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this moment that we have. These next few moments, Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would enlighten us. Your word will last forever, you said. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will always be, always remain. Father, we thank you for your word. Use this vessel to articulate the truths that have been laid in stone before the foundation of the earth. Who am I, God, that I should be used of you, seeing how great you are? And nevertheless, as Paul said, I am what I am by the, the grace of God. His grace, Lord, I pray that that grace, your grace will work mightily in me this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence this morning. A couple of weeks back, we kicked off our Easter series entitled Scandal. We have been exploring the events that led to Jesus' death, and ultimately, we'll be talking about his resurrection. 
And we have discovered thus far that there has uh, was plenty deceptions and schemes and plots to try and destroy and kill Jesus. In week one, we talked about betrayal. We talked about how the Jesus experienced betrayal in his inner circle. We also looked at and highlighted how Jesus handled betrayal and how he responded to it. And we learned some principles by which we could live as relates to that issue. Week two, last week, we highlighted the trial of Jesus Christ. We talked about how that was probably one of the most unjust trials ever put on by man. No credible prosecuting attorney would have put on such a trial. That trial of Jesus Christ we understand that there were uh, false witnesses, lies, and, and all kinds of um, dishonest things happening in the background, all in an effort to try and destroy the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so we explored that, and we realized that even though Jesus was put on trial, we understood that it was from the beginning of time, it was always the plan of God. God used it for his glory. And today, I want to focus on the denial. Denial. Jesus has warned us that being Christ-like would cost us. One of the things that we must understand as we approach the coming of Jesus Christ, that it will be and will continue to become more and more of a challenge to follow Jesus Christ. In fact, public pressure is mounting for Christians to deny Jesus Christ, not only to deny Jesus, but to deny his message, his deity, and what he represents. I can honestly say that since becoming a believer, some almost now 26 and a half years ago, that I have never seen Christianity in this country be more under attack than it is today. And unless you agree with very, very liberal ways of thinking, and let me qualify that because I don't want anybody to put me in a box. So when I speak of, when I say liberal ways of thinking, I'm talking about ways in particular and ideals that clash with Scripture. Unless you agree with that way of thinking today, you are blackballed. You're rejected. You're isolated. And oftentimes you're referred to as a bigot and hater of, Christ- of, of people simply because you ascribe to biblical values. Now, that should be of no surprise to anybody. Jesus very famously said this, and I don't think that we adhere to it enough. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. How many know that Christianity was never really about a popularity contest? You came into this thing we call Christianity. We must all understand that we came into an environment that, 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 that runs counter to the values of this world. And Jesus said, if they hated me, they are going to hate you. And so in other words, the more that you and I identify with Christ, the more that you make a decision that you're going to identify with Christ, the more that you're going to walk with Christ, watch this, the more opposition you're going to face. And I really believe that it's high time for Christians to stop trying to make the world love us. Now, what I mean, I, I, now Jesus said that, that we're to, we're, the men will know that we're his disciples by the love that we have one toward another. So we do understand that, that we're always to love. But how many know that love is, has its roots in truth? It is the truth that sets people free. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So, so in essence, if I'm not sharing the truth of this gospel, which I know is true, how many of you are convicted that the Bible is true, it's the word of God? If for some reason, if, if I'm not sharing that or I'm withholding that truth, even though I'm facing a mountain of opposition, 
then what I am essentially doing is I'm not loving the people the way that God, Jesus, wants me to love them. In fact, I'm not loving them at all. Because I have this treasure, the Bible calls it, an earthen vessel. This treasure is the truth. It is the word of God that lives on on the inside of us. So we're to love people. We're to welcome people. But we're to never compromise the message. And there's, the, there's, the, there's this pressure that, 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 that's, that's, that's bearing down on the church that the church of Jesus Christ needs to water down this message. We need to modernize. We, we need to step up because things are different. People are different. Things change. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The only problem is the Bible says that the word of God never changes. God, how many know that God is still on the throne? And whether people reject this message or not, whether they hear it or not, it doesn't matter. What God said ultimately is going to happen. How many know that when you're walking with God, you're winning? Let me say that again. When you're walking with God, you are winning. Which is to say that those who are not, they are not. It was probably bad English, but you you get what I'm saying. And so we must be bold in our love of Jesus and the values for which he died for. In fact, there has always been pressure on Christians to deny or not. Yeah, pressure on Christians to deny Jesus Christ. It's always been that degree of pressure from the society because in Christianity, it's, you're, you're, you're very different. As the Bible says, we're, we're, we're to be, uh, don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when that starts to happen, we begin to look different. We begin to smell different. Our message is very different. And the question then becomes, what are you going to do now that the pressure is mounting on you because I'm really, I really believe this, and I'm not dooming, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. At least I like to think that I'm not. But we are fastly approaching a time, even in this country, where it will not be easy for you to live out your faith. You're, you listen, you're going to be challenged at every turn, and, and, and you got to be prepared to be ostracized, to be rejected. To be separated, Christians got to get used to that. So the whole point is, we, you must deny Jesus, deny him, deny his message. Oh, yeah, I know. You say, Pastor, you know, if somebody ever came to me and asked me to deny Jesus, you know, I, you know unless I'm just a gun to my head or something, I, I probably, I'm not going to deny him that way. Oh, but how many know if they silence our voice? If the message of the gospel is not getting out, if we have decided, I'm going to talk about this here in a moment, if we have decided that we're not going to engage, then in essence, we're already denying him. Now, so we find that Jesus went through a period of time when he was betrayed. Judas, obviously, inside of his inner circle, betrayed him. Jesus knew about it. It's part of God's plan and his sovereignty. But we understand also that Jesus faced something else, and that is denial. I want to talk this morning about a man in the Bible that I have tremendous respect for. It's Apostle Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' 12 apostles. He's one of the 12, but he was probably, as you read the scripture, the most outspoken and the most bold of all the disciples. For example, Peter was always the one that was quick with the mouth. But Peter was quick to say, hey, we can do it. Let's go do it. Let's, let, let's do this thing. When everybody else was, was kind of skeptical and kind of sitting back on his side and, and hesitant, Peter was always forceful. In fact, you remember when, 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 when Jesus was walking on the water. Y'all remember when Jesus was walking on the water? It was Peter that said, Lord, bid me come. No, there are a lot of folks always criticize how that, that Peter started walking on the water and that when Peter saw the winds and the waves and Peter began to sink, and that seems to always be the focus on the fact that Peter, Peter sunk. I'm sorry, Peter, Peter, he began to sink when he took his eyes off Jesus. And, and, and I understand that, 
But, 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 but before that, Peter got out of the boat, church, and the brother walked on water. Are y'all hearing me? Peter, everybody else is sitting, everybody else was sitting in the boat. Everybody else just sitting there and watching, saying, oh, what is that? Peter said, oh, no, I, Jesus, I want to do that too. Let me tell you something. Peter was a man that loved Jesus. He was a man that wanted to, to, to walk out onto the deep. He was, he was fearless until he met a moment of time that really could have shaken him to his core and destroyed the ministry that God had set aside for Peter. Jesus now, if we're looking at Luke chapter 22, verse we just read, so Jesus is going to predict Peter's denial. He's going to predict it or prophesy Peter's denial. Jesus warns Peter that something, Peter, is going to happen. Now, Peter being the man that he is and and being rambunctious as he is and and being this kind of a, you know, happy luck, go lucky guy and I can do this and, and you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be that one that's gonna, I'm gonna withstand all the, I'm, I'm gonna, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to fail you. This, this, this is Peter. Jesus said to Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan, listen to this, has asked for you. Not only Peter has Satan ask for you, but Satan want to sift you as wheat. Satan want to take your life, Peter, and he want to shake you to the core. He want to sift you up and down. He want to beat you like a rag doll. He want to destroy you. Peter, Satan has asked for you. Which begs, there's two things I learned from that, which gives me a little bit of comfort, and should you, is that number one, that Satan can't do anything unless he check with God first. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Oh, y'all, Satan can't do anything. So this is why we don't need to fear the devil. God is always in control. There's nothing that happens in your life, my life, that God first doesn't have to say, okay. Yes or okay, no, not going to allow that. How I many know God is in control? So Satan asked, so I want him. But Jesus does something kind of interesting here. He says, but, 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 but Peter, I prayed for you. I would think that Jesus would have said, I would like for him to say something like, yeah, but you told him no, right? <laughs> You told him he can't have me, right? You told him, you know, don't bother me, don't come near me. I would have been saying, Lord, what did you say to him, Jesus? He looked at Peter and said, Peter, but here's the deal. Um, I pray for you. <laughs> Jesus was kind of telegraphing to Peter. Peter, there are some things that are going to unfold in your life. And Peter, I'm going to allow this to happen. Mm. He said, Peter, in fact, I pray for you, Peter, that, that when you go through this, that your faith will not fail. How do we know that, that, that God is always working in our lives, right? He, he you know, he, he sees this situation. God knows. And somehow it was revealed to Satan. I really believe this. Somehow it was revealed to Satan that Peter was going to be a great leader of the people. Somehow Satan realized it and he says, I want him. I would venture out to say that the higher, the more influence, the, uh, the more influential you become in the kingdom, the more God want to use you. How many know you become a, a, a target for the enemy? That shouldn't bring you fear. It just means that you're in the will of God. How many know that sometimes you can be right in the middle of the, in the, middle of the will of God and still be on the attack of Satan? How many know Jesus was led in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, right? And, and but how many know the Bible says Jesus was led? Everybody say led. He was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is interesting. And so 
Jesus tells Peter, he said, Peter, I, I pray for you. Now, when you return, in other words, Peter, <laughs> this is what Jesus said to Peter. He said, Peter, Satan's going to, Satan's asked for you now. Now, I pray for you. I want you to get this. I pray for you so that, so that, so that, so, so, so that, so that your faith will not fail. And, uh, but, but when you have returned, in other words, Peter, something's going to happen significant, but it must happen. It must take place. In order for me to get you, Peter, to where you need to be, this must happen. He said to him, I think at verse 33, but he said to him, Lord, Peter said this, Lord, I'm ready to go with you. I'm both to prison and I'm ready to die. Jesus. Did anybody doubt that Peter really meant it when he said it? I believe Peter meant that. Peter said, look, God, I, I mean, Peter, I believe Peter was sincerely, he meant that. But how many know this goes to show that we don't know ourselves as better as, as much as we think we know ourselves? How many of you have found out some things about yourself as you've been walking with God that you didn't realize about yourself, but you discovered them about yourself because you walking with God? It makes sense that you get all that. In other words, have anybody in here realized you thought you were one place and you realized that once you actually went through something, you weren't where you thought you were? How do you know that can be very humbling, right? The Bible says that the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? How many many of you trust yourself? Let me me see your hand. Let me see how many of you in here really, really trust yourself? I'm glad the hand, I would have been concerned. I don't, I, you know, what Peter's response should have been was, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me, strengthen me. But Peter said, oh, no, I got this. <laughs> I got this. Oh, no. Hey, they're going to leave you, but what? Look at, look at me. Look at me, Jesus. I'm different than everybody else. I won't go. Watch. So. Now, y'all, y'all getting the picture. Now, this is what Jesus is dealing with. Now you're starting to get a kind of peer into the window and kind of understand why Jesus now is going to allow Peter to go through some things. Because Jesus has to begin to cut off some things. We'll get to back. We'll get back to that here in a second. So let's fast forward to the denial. So now we see Peter in Luke 22 and verses 54 down to verse 62. We see now that, you know, Jesus has been arrested and, and Peter followed at a distance because he's watching. He's, he's following at a distance. Y'all know why he's following at a distance. You know, he, he, this is St. Peter now. He said, I go with you to death, right? St. Peter. Now, Peter's seeing some things. And he's like, uh, wait a minute. He's like way in the back. Almost like, I don't want nobody to know that I'm really kind of hanging out with you kind of thing. So when they had brought Jesus into the, had brought him into the Sanhedrin to begin to bring all these false charges against him, which we talked about last week. Peter sat around with all of them and they're kind of warming themselves by the fire. And then somebody noticed it. Somebody said, oh, wait a minute, you. Now, I, I, I failed to say something earlier. So, you know that Jesus, when, when Jesus had, had, was communicating to Peter what was going to happen to him, we know that ultimately Jesus said, Peter, that you're going to deny me before the rooster crows. You would deny me. In other accounts of the gospel, Peter said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to deny you. I'm not. So let's go, let's go back here. So now Peter is at this place, is warming himself by the fire, and somebody say to Peter, Peter, you, you were, you were with him. What did Peter say? Ah, yeah, sure was. That's right. I'm a, I'm, 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 I'm a Christian. I was with him. I mean, after all, isn't that what Peter said he would do? Huh, but Peter, Peter said, I am not. Somebody else come along and say, they'll warm themselves, kind of look around and say, hold up, you. You, you, I'm pretty sure I saw you 
hanging out with Jesus. Peter says, no, I'm not. Not me. Not the one. I'm paraphrasing. In fact, in some of the Gospels, it it says that, that Peter began to curse and swear. I won't do that here, obviously. But Peter's blank, 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 blank. I was not blank. Peter, the same Peter who said that, Lord, I will, I, I will, I will go all the way with you. I will go to death with you. Now he finds himself now in a place where his whole demeanor has suddenly changed. You see, after the arrest, understand this. So after the arrest, everything had changed for Peter and the rest of the disciples. You see, before, Jesus was always in control, right? They saw Jesus uh, healing and feeding 5,000 people, raising the dead, Lazarus, and, and, and healing people with all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. And so whenever they had a situation where they were unsure about something, they didn't know, they would just... Come to Jesus, and Jesus was always there. I mean, Jesus, he, he would always answer all their questions, you know, so there was never a moment the whole time during the ministry of Jesus that he wasn't with them. And so, but now Peter finds himself now in a place where he doesn't have access to Jesus like he once did. See, now everything is changing. Peter is, he, 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 listen, he, he remembers obviously all that Jesus did, but at that, but, but now that pales in comparison because he sees a man now who looks like he's not in control. He sees a man now for the first time who looked like his freedom has been taken away. He sees a man that's being beaten and Peter is thinking to himself, maybe this ministry all of this is all over. It's, it's done. I mean, Peter now, his faith is in a crisis. What do I believe? I mean, I know what I saw, but, 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 but look, I, I didn't quite think that it would be this way. Peter was confused. But see, in order for your, let me just put a plug in here with this. See, in order for faith to grow, faith must be tested. You don't really know how much faith you have. I don't care what you say. I don't care what people talk about. It's a problem with folks that graduate out of seminary who never really experience anything. Your faith will never grow unless your faith get tested. How many know now that Peter was being tested? How many know all that time that Jesus had spent with Peter and the rest of the disciples now, all that, all that has been put into them, it, it, it has to come out. Now, now you got to go through this test. So Peter, his faith now is under fire. And so what does Peter do? He does the unthinkable. He denies Jesus. <laughs> he denies Jesus. Everybody say under pressure. Under pressure. <laughs> under pressure, man. He denies him. And you see, Peter, the Bible says that after he denied him three times, the rooster crowed and him and Jesus made eye contact. And the Bible puts it this way. The Bible didn't just say that Peter wept. The Bible says Peter wept bitterly. He cried like a baby. His heart was broken. And he remembered the words that Jesus said. Peter, you are going to deny me. So here Jesus, now I want you to look at it from Jesus' perspective. Jesus dealing with betrayal from his inner circle. He's dealing with these false charges, made up charges, people lying on him. This, 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 this circus of a trial. And now Jesus is having another one in his inner circle deny him, say, I don't even know him. (laughs) But this was different than Judas, obviously, because Peter really loved Jesus. Peter had no agenda. Peter was scared. 
or as we say in the country, scared. He was scared, scared. He's found himself in a situation that Jesus was allowing Peter to be exposed to himself. <laughs> Have you ever been exposed to yourself? Oh, boy, sometimes that can be quite painful, can it? When God shows you where you really are, who you really are, and the stuff that's still on the inside of you, ah, it can break you. So what led to Peter's denial? Why did Jesus allow it? I, I kind of alluded to it a few moments ago, but, but I think the, the first thing we got to understand is that Peter was a very confident person. Now, God doesn't want his people walk around being scared and timid and, you know, shy and afraid to speak. The Bible says that the righteous are bold as lions. In fact, it's one place where the apostles were felt like they were under attack after Jesus had died and he ascended back to the Father and the apostles were carrying on the ministry. There was one time that they prayed for boldness. Because they knew that the ministry, the work they needed to do for Jesus Christ, they had to be very bold. They had to be rambunctious. They couldn't, they, they, they couldn't be weak. They had to stand up for Christ. So self-confidence is great. God wants us to have confidence. But, but God don't want us to have confidence absent him. See, the problem with man today is men have plenty of confidence. I'm talking about unredeemed men. But their confidence is not in God. Their confidence is in their own ability and what they can achieve. So one of the, one of the first things that God does to all of us, right, we, we, we come into the kingdom of God, is God begins this process of weaning us off of ourselves to this extent so that we don't trust in ourselves and our own ability. See, this was the problem with Peter. Peter was very, very a, a confident man, but his confidence was all in the wrong place. So Jesus said, this is why Jesus said to Peter, he says, Peter, I pray for you, son. <laughs> now, when you return, you'll be all right, but you're going to have to go through this because I got to wing this off of you. I got to I got to redirect your confidence so that your confidence is in me. It's kind of like what I said about the offering. Every time we give an offering, all we're saying is that, God, we trust in you. You are our provider and not my job. God is Jehovah Jireh and not your job. God is your healer. Y'all hear what I'm saying this morning? He's your provider. He's your everything. Because one of the things we have come to learn and understand is that confidence in ourselves will cause us to turn from God rather than to God. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because when you're self-confident, how many people you know? And one of the ways you can tell whether or not you're relying on God or if you're self-confident is that how much do you refer back to him? How much do you talk to him? How much do you consult him? If you spend very little time doing that, the more than likely you are too confident. Oh, Pastor, you know, I just forget. Yeah, you're too confident. Because we need to remember who's in charge, who's our boss. But how many know if God is going to be involved, if God's going to do it, how many know it must be through his power? Another reason we see about Peter's denial, why I think that what led to his denial was that Peter followed at a distance. Now, why did Peter follow at a distance? It's an obvious thing that Peter followed at a distance because he feared for his life, obviously. But I believe he's also, it's about his reputation. The cost for being identified with Jesus was a lot for Peter. And Peter was thinking, I don't know. I, I know what I said earlier, but, but Peter's realizing, I don't know if I can. So he followed Jesus at a distance. And how many know that following Jesus at a distance will almost certainly lead to a denial of Jesus Christ? There are a lot of folk to follow Jesus at a distance. You know, what I'm, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? You know, you know what I'm talking about. There's no real intimacy there. There's an occasional church attendance. Usually when there's a problem on the issue and you need an emotional fix, there's little to no study of the word of God. Only God is only accessed when there's a need for something. Following Jesus at a distance means that 
that you're not really walking with him. You're, you're walking in a way that nobody really even knows that you are identified with Jesus. Because you're following him at a distance. You're back there. But nobody around you know who you really are. Or maybe they do know who you really are. Because you follow at a distance. Peter also found himself sitting with the wrong people. How many know that when you're at your weakest point, how many know at this moment Peter is weak and he's vulnerable, right? He's sitting around with a bunch of people that had it in for Jesus. How many know that sometimes that when we're sitting or in the wrong environment, it's really, really difficult to walk with Jesus. It's really difficult. And so, this begs the question, so how do we deny Jesus today? I, I want to I kind of bear down, bear down on this just, just for a moment. Because as I said earlier, if somebody were to come and ask you about Jesus, you would probably say, hey, I'm a Christian. Really, nobody should have to come and ask you, are you a Christian? <laughs> right? I'm just saying, I'm just I'm throwing some little jabs in there every now and then. Y'all, you know, nobody should have to ask that, right? So how do we deny Jesus today? How is it possible? Well, number one, we can deny him. We deny him this way. We don't talk about him. We don't invite our neighbors or friends to church. We don't initiate conversation about him to our friends and neighbors. The, the operative word there is initiate. Can I say this, and I want y'all to hear my heart. Hear me very closely when I say this. I'm talking about Christianity in America. I really believe that we have been programmed in America to only share our faith or talk about Jesus when people ask. Let me say that again. I believe that we've been programmed to only share our faith or talk about Jesus when people ask. So if if nobody asks, watch this. Y'all, I'm going to step on some toes here, but it's okay. Look at the neighbor and say, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Listen, some of us, let's be honest, in, the, in our Christian walk, we will be perfectly content if we, listen, if we shared our faith with nobody, we died and left this earth having not shared our faith with nobody for years. Because what we'll hang our head on is, I've been a good Christian, I did good things, but you haven't done the main thing, which is to go and preach. So one of the ways we deny Jesus, we don't talk about him. We, 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 we remain silent. But how many know, if the, think about this. What if the apostle would have just simply said, watch. Y'all listen, say amen. Come on, if you listen, say amen. I need everybody. What if the apostles would have said, okay, guys, we're only going to share our faith when people ask. Do you think you'd be here today? No, brother. How many know they were out in the streets? They were initiating. How many know the mandate is to go? Jesus says, go. In other words, you take the initiative. Don't you sit back and say, well, they didn't ask me, pastor. The faith, I mean, pastor, that's personal. Oh, no. Yes, it's personal meant to be made public. But a lot of people would do, well, pastor, I, you know, well, I'm just shy. It's just not my ministry. Do you have a mouth and a voice? What else do you need? He says, speak, preach, proclaim, let people know. Don't sit back. See, we, we live in a, see, in America, it's like, cool. It's like, man, unless, if you don't ask me, I'm, I'm good. And, and the proof of that is, let me ask you a question. Don't even answer it. Just think about it. When's the last time you shared your faith in a meaningful way with somebody who don't know Jesus? I'm not even talking about you led them to Christ. I'm talking about in a meaningful When's the last time? Let me ask you another question. Does it bother you? Or are you okay with it? It's food for thought. 
See, another way we deny Jesus is be by we deny Jesus by being a slave to fear and what other people say. See, it was fear that caused Peter. Right. It was fear that caused Peter to, to deny him. That's one of the things. Fear for his life, fear of rejection, fear of losing his freedom. There are too many of God's people that are controlled by fear. But here's the thing about Peter. How do we know that it bothered Peter? When Peter denied Jesus, when he didn't stand up for Jesus, when he had the chance, how do we know that, that Peter didn't just say, well, that's just missing opportunity. The Bible said that Peter, he wept bitterly. It bothered him. And, and there was something in Peter that said, I know I'm not supposed to be here and I can't stay here. I cannot let fear keep me here. I can't. There was something in Peter that bothered him. But too many of God's people, we're not bothered. We're not bothered by the thing I believe we should be bothered by. We should be. It should bother us that I haven't shared my faith with nobody in two, three months or for a year. Or two, in fact, I don't even remember when. But it doesn't. But we come to church every week waiting for them to engage instead of you engaging. You have to take the enemy's territory. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? This is not something that's going to be easy. Talking about the souls of men. So watch. Another way we deny Jesus is by living contrary to what he what he taught. I got a few more minutes here, so I want to do this quickly. Um, living contrary to what he talked. I don't need to dwell on that too much because let me just read verse. This is one verse that jumps out to me in Titus 1.16 says, they profess they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and disqualified for every good work. That's uh, Titus 1.16. So our lifestyle, our lifestyle is an important key how many know that the way you live shouts louder than the things you say? Are y'all hearing me this morning? The way we live shouts louder than what we say. So, so then, if we're not, if we're saying one thing, come on church, and we're living another, how many know that in essence we're really denying Jesus? We're denying his power. The Bible, the Bible says we're denying his power. Give me one second. We're denying his power. When we don't live what we say. So a key principle in openly declaring and affirming Jesus. What is this key principle? Jesus said this in Luke 9, 23. Listen to this. We're talking about denial. We, we understand that Peter, we're going to get back to Peter here in a second. But Jesus says something. He says in, in Luke 9, 23, this is, this is, this is, a, this is a, probably one of the most important verses for every Christian. In fact, I think for anybody who first gets saved, I really do believe this. That this, is, this should be the first verse they get introduced to. After John three sixteen. I believe this verse should be the next verse they get introduced to. Jesus said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let's look at this. Let him deny himself. <laughs> wow. Take up his cross daily and follow me. If anyone desires to come after me, in other words, anyone want to be effective witness or to be identified with me, serve me and make a difference, the Lord would say. Have eternal life. If that's you, he says, here's the thing. He said, first, deny yourself. Why you got to deny yourself? Because if you don't deny yourself, yourself will be on the throne. If you're on the throne, then Jesus is not controlling your life. You are controlling your life. How many know, see, the reason many people deny Christ today, and they don't even know it, is because they refuse to deny themselves. All right, so what does deny yourself mean? Watch this. It's simple. Complex, but simple. It's to pursue Christ's interests above your own. <laughs> it's to resist your fears, to be silent, 
to allow him to dictate the terms and the pace of your life. He determines what's right and wrong. In other words, your value system come from Christ. You obey what he says. Your fears, your doubts, your anger, they all take a back seat. Everybody say back seat. They all take a back seat to what he wants. In other words, you are no longer in control. You live for him and him alone. That's what it means to deny yourself. Can I ask you a question? Have you yet denied yourself? Because trust me, until we deny ourselves, we will continue to deny Christ as king to rule and govern our lives. And therefore, our ministry and our ability to affect change, not just attract church members. I'm talking about kingdom builders. I'm talking about lives changed for real. It doesn't happen until we first deny ourselves. And then Jesus says, he says this, take up your cross. Follow me daily. Take up your cross. I mean, you know that the cross is symbolic of pain, hardship, difficulty, challenges. I mean, you know that's not going to, it's not easy to follow Christ in a world that is opposing him. And I say all this to you because I don't want you to trip out because it seems like everybody else is trying to leave you behind or you're being pushed. You're being pushed to agree with everybody else or, or to, and when you know what this book says and you're allowing yourself to be pushed or intimidated. We got to take up our cross daily. And the Bible says we got to pursue Pursue Christ. We got to pursue him with all of our heart. In other words, keep him before us. Stay with him no matter what. Trust him. Trust him in our weaknesses, our failures, as with Peter. And so in conclusion, come on out, brother. I want to say this. In John 21, verses 15 through 17, Jesus does an amazing thing. Because Jesus really knew Peter's heart. How I many know? Aren't you glad God knows your heart? Aren't you? I mean, I'm glad. You ever like tried to explain stuff to people, and no matter how you try to explain it, they, but but it's, it's comforting to know that Jesus knows exactly how you feel. He knows exactly what you're thinking, and so he knew that deep down, Peter really loved Jesus. Peter Peter really loved Jesus, but there are some things in Peter that Jesus had to work out of him so that Peter can then lead and feed his people as he says here in John chapter 21 verses 15 through 17 I'm going to close with this verse so when they had eaten breakfast Jesus said to Simon look at this, he said to Simon Peter Simon son of Jonah (laughs) first of all you got to remember, Jesus had already died. He had already rose from the dead. And, uh, and I believe that Peter is still stuck in that place where he was when he denied Jesus. And there's a passage, in, and you read John chapter 21, Peter even says this. He says, and every time I look at that verse, it says it to me. Now, I, I don't have any solid proof of this. I don't even know if I can really uh, approve it from the text. Um, but Peter says something. Peter says, I'm going fishing. Going fishing. And every time I read that, it just, it reeks to me that perhaps Peter was thinking, I blew my one shot. I denied Jesus. I messed up bad. And you know what? I'm going back to fishing. Fishing, in fact, I was good at fishing. I wasn't even all that great at that, actually. He didn't really think about it. But, but, but he was a professional fisherman. And so Peter went back and Peter said, I'm going fishing. So he gets in the water. And, and, and Peter probably thinking like anybody, anybody, anybody would think in that particular situation. Well, you know, I'm going to just go back to life. Go back to doing what I did because I messed up with God. You know, and I let Jesus down. And, and all of a sudden, Peter has this burning bush moment. <laughs> he has a burning bush moment when Jesus just shows up out of nowhere. Because remember... Jesus already knew what Peter would do. Jesus already had made provision for what Peter did. Jesus knew that Peter loved him, even though he denied him. And Jesus says to Peter, 
He sat down with him. He ate breakfast. Peter uh, got out of the water. He realized it was the Lord. He all gathered together. And Jesus said to Peter, he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. <laughs> he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time. Now, is anybody here thinking that something's wrong with Jesus? Right? Jesus asked him, I mean, if somebody, if I came here and asked you the same thing like two, three times, you'd be like, like, why you, why you keep asking me this? I already answered you. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Now you get the sense that Peter now has been changed. He realized now that Jesus is my anchor. He's my source. I, I, I got to trust him. And now the confidence now, he, he, he's kind of looking. He, he's, he's wanting permission from Jesus. He says, he's grieved. He said to him, Lord, you, you know all things. <laughs> you, you know, I only, you know me. I, when, it is what it is. Anybody ever said to the Lord, Lord, I am what I am. And you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed, feed my sheep. Why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus take Peter through that little exercise? It wasn't an exercise in futility. Peter had denied the Lord. It was no coincidence. He denied the Lord three times. Three times he denied the Lord. Three times Jesus asked him, do you love me? All Jesus was trying to say to Peter was, Peter, boy, I know you blew it, but I'm forgiving you, son. It's over. Son, I've forgiven you. I know you meant well. I, I know you would vigor, but son, you, there's some things you had to learn. I, I, I want you to know, Peter, it's time to put that behind you because now I need you, Peter, the one who denied me in front of all of those people openly. You, I'm calling you, son, and feed my leaf. Take care of my lambs. Peter, time to step up. It's a new day. It's a new day. That's love. That's forgiveness. That's the goodness of God. That's available to every one of us today. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, in Jesus' name.